Hearts a blowout, eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out a 3 0 He swings, and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats presented by Mattress Firm. First episode that is released on a Wednesday. So going forward, this is our new day. So let's do this. We will, of course, round the bases off the top, and then we will get into it with our guest, who is currently the, the reigning August Pitcher of the Month for all of Major League Baseball. Robbie Ray will join us, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, my favorite segment this week, and Shohei Otani news, and then it's the beginning of the month. So, of course, some power rankings, the, my September power rankings, as we head into the last month of the season, which is crazy. Crazy to even think about that we're heading into the last month of the Major League Baseball season. But let's get into it, rounding the bases right off the top, heading to first. The year is 2021, and there is a pitcher and a catcher leading all of Major League Baseball in home runs. A pitcher and a catcher, Shohei Otani, who I obviously talk a lot about, deservedly so, sitting there with 43 home runs, leading all of Major League Baseball, but right behind him, hot on his heels to this point, Salvador Perez, who we do not talk about enough. We just don't. We don't talk about him enough. He's a catcher. He's having one of the best seasons for a catcher in history. And, you know, I guess it's because he's with the Royals. The Royals aren't having a great year. So this is kind of sliding under the radar. But legitimately, Salvador Perez is having one of the best seasons as a catcher in the history of the game. Johnny Bench hit 45 home runs one year. That's the top. That's the pentacle. That is the most single-season home runs for a catcher in the history of this game. And Salvador Perez... Is, is catching that quickly and, and very well could have a chance to pass that, especially in the last month to two months. This guy has been on a tear unlike we have seen in a long, long time. So if he keeps going down this path, he's going to pass Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench! And have the most single-season home runs for a catcher of all time. So everybody's talking about Shohei Otani, deservedly so, but we need to step back. And realize what's happening this year. There's been a lot of crazy things that have happened over the last few years. And in 2021. Almost as crazy as in 2021, leading all of Major League Baseball in home runs as a pitcher and a catcher. <laughs> That's so crazy to me. Uh, and it's so cool to see. And making for an exciting, exciting season. And, and it's going to make for an exciting finish, in my opinion. I'm rooting for Shohei Otani. Uh, but I'm also rooting for Salvador Perez to break the all-time record. So I don't know. Hopefully they can both do. Hopefully Otani can get to 50 and Perez can get to at least 46. I think that would be incredible. Um, but look, this is this is special. And I don't know. I, I doubt it's ever happened in the history of the game. A pitcher and a catcher leading all of Major League Baseball in home runs. So really just wanted to shine some, some spotlight on Salvador Perez here because Shohei Otani's talked about all the time. But what's happening in Kansas City with Salvador Perez is one of the best seasons a catcher has ever had in all of Major League Baseball, and I really, really wanted to talk about him. Moving on over to second base, the Tampa Bay Rays. I tweeted out something this week that 
became quite the talking point, honestly, and, and I really wasn't expecting it to. But I tweeted out about the Tampa Bay Rays and their attendance. The, the Trop, if you will, Tropicana Field gets, gets a bad rap. Um, for reference, one of the only Major League Baseball field that I have played an actual game in, a Major League game in, was the Trop. Tropicana Field down in St. Pete. I don't think it's the trop down there that's causing all these issues. It's not the best field in the world. Honestly, it's, it's one of the bottom in the league, in my opinion. But what has to change is this narrative that Tampa Bay, the Rays, don't have fans. How can you stay in Tampa when you're not getting attendance? You have one of the best teams in the league, and the attendance just isn't there. Well, one, they're not in Tampa. They're in St. Pete, which is a nightmare to get to, an absolute nightmare. Look at this stat right here. When you, when, you look, when you look at attendance around Major League Baseball and see that the Rays aren't doing well, look no further than this. Due to, ge due to the geography, density, and infrastructure, wow, some big words there, all right? Tropicana Field has the lowest population within a 30-minute commute out of all 30 MLB ballparks and has approximately half of the 30-minute population of the next lowest team. So this is my point precisely. The Trop is a nightmare to get to. It's not in Tampa. It's in St. Pete, and it is a nightmare to get over there. And once you do get there, it's not like the experience of Tropicana Field is that magical and that special. It's not a, an incredible stadium by any means. It's not bad, but it, it's not worth driving way out of your way in rush hour traffic in Tampa to get to. So that's my whole point here. The Tampa Bay Rays are one of the best teams in all of baseball and have consistently been for years now. And they do it unlike any other team. It's special what they're doing. So it's frustrating for me to, to watch games and not see anybody there. But it's not for lack of having no fans. It's, it's, the problem is, in my opinion, they need to relocate. You need to put a stadium in Tampa. They're the Tampa Bay Rays. Put a stadium in Tampa. Problem solved. People are going to go. More people are going to go. Nobody wants to go to St. Pete during rush hour to watch a baseball game at the Trop. And that's why people don't show up. This team is great. This team has a lot of fans. Tampa has a lot of passionate fans. They just deserve a better stadium and a better location. So enough with the, with the narrative that they don't have fans. They don't have, they, they, nobody shows up. They need to move to Montreal. I, I don't know if that's the case. I, don't, I, don't, I, for one, don't want them to move. I would love to see a franchise back in Montreal someday, but I don't want it to be the Rays because I truly think they have a great fan base, and they just need to have a stadium that's more accessible to get to. That's all, and that's what my point was over the tweet. Uh, moving on over to third, the Giants and the Dodgers. The year is 2021, and the best divisional race we have in all of baseball isn't the Yankees and the Red Sox. It's not the Braves and the Phillies. It's not, it's not the Astros and the A's. It's the Dodgers and the Giants. And boy, did baseball need this. This was a rivalry we weren't all expecting. One of the best rivalries in the history of baseball but it hadn't, it's been struggling. It has been struggling the last few years, in large part to, to the way the Giants have been playing in, in the last couple of years. 
But the Giants are back, baby. And this rivalry is back. You know, I've, I've had enough of people saying, yeah, you know, like, the Dodgers are still the better team. I'm not having it anymore. I'm not having it. On paper, the Dodgers have the better roster. Baseball is not played on paper. You got to go out and you got to play the games on the field. This past weekend, we got an awesome series. The season series was tied heading into it. Every team plays 19, every divisional team plays 19 games against each other in a year. They had played 16 to this point. It was eight to eight. The season series was eight to eight. Eight wins, eight losses for both of them. So heading into this series, not only was the season series tied, they were tied in the standings. Heading into the last month, the NL West was tied at the top between the Dodgers and the Giants. A tie at the top. They head into this final series against each other. They have their last three remaining games. These are the last games they're going to play against each other. They're playing in San Francisco. Packed house. And you know what? This series didn't disappoint. It was it was perfect. It's just great baseball, to be honest with you. I watched the first game. It went into 11 innings. They went back and forth and back and forth, and it goes into extra innings, and it's a great game in extras. The Giants end up pulling it out, um, and then the Dodgers win the following night. And then, and then on Sunday, the Giants end up winning, win the series, and win the season series against the Dodgers. But more importantly, in my opinion, is just how good of baseball we're seeing from these teams. Like, we all expected the Dodgers to be here. We all expected the Dodgers to play great baseball. But to get this series that we've been seeing, to see the buzz back in San Francisco, to see it a, a packed house, to see that first game go 11 innings, and to see nobody leaving, it was awesome. The buzz is back with this series. And if you aren't watching them, you need to be. They're, they're not going to play again this year. But both of these teams are making the playoffs. And this is just good baseball all around. So if you don't yet believe in the San Francisco Giants, I've tried to tell you a million times by this point. If you don't believe it, you're just not going to believe me. But you got to watch them because they're really good. They do it in different ways. They don't have the firepower. They don't have the, the stardom that, that the, the Dodgers have. But, man, are they good. And, man, are they fun to watch. And, man, was this series between the Dodgers and the Giants fun to watch. So for everybody saying, when it's all, you know, I don't know if the Giants can win in a seven-game series against the Dodgers. Well, they just played a 19-game series. And the Giants came out on top 10-9 to in that season series. So moving on, rounding the bases and coming home, the Toronto Blue Jays. I want to give some love to the Toronto Blue Jays. This team is great. But not only is this team great this year, not only are they a really good baseball team this year, they're going to be for a long time, a long time to come. They have so many young studs that are here to stay. Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio. Um, th honestly, it, the list goes on. Jose Barrios, who they picked up in a trade. I don't think this team is being talked about enough, in large part because they're in fourth place in this division, but it's, it's the best division in baseball. I think if they were anywhere else, we're, we're talking about a, a playoff team this year. And they still could be. They're not far out of the wild card, but it, it's going to be a struggle. they got a few teams to, to jump. But this team needs more love. In my opinion, the Toronto Blue Jays are the future of the AL East. You look at this team, and it's all there. 
They're competing this year with a young, young core. Those guys I mentioned, Robbie Ray is a, is a front runner for, for the Cy Young. You know, he's, I, I believe he's second in the odds for the Cy Young behind Garrett Cole. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is second in the odds for MVP behind Shohei Otani. If you look at Foxbet, all these all these guys are right there. And Shohei Otani, I believe, is you know far and away the, the front runner for MVP. But Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is right behind him. Robbie Ray right behind Garrett Cole. You look at all these guys, and and the future is now for the Blue Jays. I've talked about a few teams this year being the future is near, the future is near, the Mariners being one of them, who, who they're also competing, by the way. The Tigers, the future is near. But the future for the Blue Jays is now. If this team sneaks into the playoffs, watch out. Watch out. They're dangerous. I love the pickup they had of Jose Barrios at the deadline, specifically for what he does this year, but also because he's under control for next year. They got themselves a future with this core they have, with the pitching. Honestly, you go into this offseason, they pick up one more guy. I'm going to pick them to win the division next year. That's how good these guys are. That's how good this team is. They're in a tough division to get it done this year. But they are so, so good. We're, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., by the way, 40 home runs. Just hit his 40th home run this past week, putting him and his dad an elite company, by the way. One, look at that picture. Incredible. Who would have thought that that little kid would go on to hit 40 bombs in the big league? So he does, which his dad has also done, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., putting them in elite company. They have both now in a single season hit 40 home runs. Only one other father-son duo has hit 40 home runs in a season. And that would be Cecil and Prince Fielder, who also had 50, 50 home run seasons. So elite company for these two. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who we all like, we got to see. We, we knew when, when Vlad was playing, we, we saw Vladdy Jr. on the field. We saw him as a little kid. Now he's in the big leagues at 22 years old, hitting 40 home runs. Let's not forget he's, he's 22 years old. When I say the future is bright, I'm telling you, this guy's hit 40 home runs this season, and he's not even to his prime. He is the heart and soul of this team. But they got guys around them that, that are going to really propel this team into the future of being the class of the American League, one of the best teams in the American League, winning the American League East. That's what I believe is, is in store for this Blue Jays and the Blue Jays' future. So I wanted to show some love to this team. I wanted to show some love to, to the Toronto Blue Jays because I, they're in a tough division. They got the Rays. They got the Yankees. They got the Red Sox. That's who everybody likes to talk about. I like to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays and what they're doing. They're one of the best teams in baseball still. They just happen to be in one of the best divisions in baseball. But this team, for a long, long time to come, is going to be great. And it's time we start talking about them. They're dangerous. And they're such a young core, such a young team, such a fun team to watch. So watch out for them, because they're here, and they're going to be here for a long time to come with how young this roster is. And speaking of how good the Toronto Blue Jays are, let's bring in the reigning pitcher of the month in all of Major League Baseball, a guy that's second in the standings for potential Cy Young, Robbie Ray. Robbie, what's up, man? Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. All right, so one thing we always do right off the top, 
some career trivia questions. And we have a leaderboard on the show. Nick Castellanos is at the top. Michael Fulmer is right there as well. So you got to get above Fulm. You have, you know, you got to get above him. <laughs> All right, let's do it. 60 seconds. You ready? All right. All right. Who is your first MLB strikeout? Uh, Jason Castro. Yep. Who is your first MLB batter faced? Altuve. Yep. Who is your first MLB home run allowed to? Ooh. I am going to say. I honestly don't know. Eduardo Escobar. Shensu Chu. Who is your first MLB Ooh. home run hit off of? Who I hit a home run off of? You did. Chris Archer. <laughs> yeah. Who was your first MLB win against? Uh, the Astros. Yep. Number of pitches thrown in your first MLB start? Ooh, I want to say it was 89. Oh, 86. Jersey number for your MLB <sighs> debut? Uh, 38. Yep. Who relieved you in your first MLB start? Uh, was it Jabba Chamberlain? Nope, it was Evan Reed, and that is time. All right, I got to go back to this home run you hit off of Chris Archer. How many big league homers do you have? That's the one and only. All right, so <laughs> are you a good hitter? I would not classify myself as a good hitter, no. <laughs> you just got him. You just ran into one and you got him. Yeah. It was, right. uh, I, I want to say it was like a 2-1 count, so I just got lucky. <laughs> All right, so I was doing, you've been traded a bunch throughout your minor league career and, and into the major leagues, and one thing I, I saw and noticed when I was looking back is that you have played, not for a long time, but you have played in Vermont at, for the Vermont Lake Monsters in what I consider the worst place I've probably ever played in the minor leagues. How accurate is that? Yeah, the funny thing is, is I played for them, but I never actually played a home game. So I was on the road the whole time. I spent um, the last two weeks with the team. So I never actually played at home. So I didn't get to experience it. No, so you didn't even go there? Never no. went there, no. I'm, I'm assuming you heard about it, but this is my first ever <laughs> professional experience. I get drafted, I go to pro ball. I'm like, this is, I'm playing professional baseball. And then our first game with, I was with the Connecticut Tigers is in the New York Penn League against the Vermont Lake Monsters. And I get there and our locker room is literally an outhouse under the bleachers, under like across the road and it's a dirt floor. I'm like, what, what is this? I thought I was, I thought, I didn't know what I was walking into, but that place is not great. Yeah, I heard some bad things about it for sure. Some guys were talking about it that year that, you know, you're basically getting dressed in, in one of those mobile like uh, classrooms. <laughs> and that's the home locker room. <laughs> Right. Um, so talk, talk to me about getting traded a few times throughout the minor leagues. Like, what is that experience like? I know you got, uh, you got drafted and, uh, a while ago and, and are coming up and didn't. Um, you were a high school draft guy, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so to get drafted out of high school and then come up and then be traded a few times, like, what was that first experience like getting traded? Yeah, it was a little weird. Um, you know, every, I feel like every player, uh, wants to get drafted and come up to the big leagues with a team that drafts them. That's just, you know, it's just yeah. kind of how it is. You want to prove to them that they made the right decision. Uh, but you do understand that it is a business. And, 
you know, honestly, getting traded to the Tigers, I, I was not expecting that at all. I mean, you look at their rotation that year. I mean, it was just, it was just guys, you know, you got Verlander, you got Scherzer, you got, we, they brought in David Price, Porcello, Drew <laughs> not Smiley, an easy Hannibal place Sanchez. To come to. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I was like, what, uh, you know, I was like, what am I getting traded to the Tigers for? Uh, <laughs> so uh, that was kind of like my first thought was like, really? The Tigers? But, uh, you know, it all worked out. Uh, and then, you know, I was there for a year and then get traded out to Arizona. That was pretty cool because, um, you know, I went to the Arizona Fall League that year. Um, and that was kind of my first experience of Arizona in the Arizona spring training area. And I was like, Man, this place is nice. <laughs> so that was a that was a cool experience. Were you at the fall league when you got traded to Arizona? No, so I almost I think I got traded on the same exact day in the off season, both years in a row. <laughs> Do you remember the day? Does it like live on? Is it still? You got a little twitch when you wake up in the morning when you're when that day comes around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like December fourth or December sixth or something like that. <laughs> Uh, so then, you know, you're looking at your career is, is so fascinating as you're now the, you know, you have the most strikeouts in history for, uh, somebody that's gotten to a thousand innings, which is, which is incredible. And, and this year it, it's, it feels different. You know, I, I watch a lot of your starts and, and you're dominant. And what, what I want to know is what has changed is it is it a mindset you've always been nasty but you know there's always not to bring up like not bad memories but in 2020 you know you walked 45 guys in 51 innings and now this year 174 innings and 84 walks like what is it that you changed to just say you know what i'm done walking guys yeah i think uh you know it's just trusting in my stuff more i feel like um you know, I'm able to get ahead of guys. I'm, I'm working counts, um, you know, getting 0-2, 1-2 instead of 2-1 having to, you know, battle back and get into counts. I feel like I'm doing a better job of getting ahead of guys. So that's just, I, like you said, I feel like I've always had the strikeout stuff, but I was never in the position to get that strikeout, you know, three, four pitches into an at-bat. Yeah. Was it, was it, was it a, physical thing a mental thing this year going into it like did you change something with your mechanics yeah I definitely uh you know I, I got bigger I got in the weight room and and you know got after it and uh I also made a little bit of a mechanical change where I I added a turn to my uh my delivery when I'm at, when, I, when I have my leg lift and I feel like that that's allowed me to to ride the my backside down the mound a lot easier um, by the way, I don't know if you can see this shirt, powder blue unis for life. Are those I, the Blue Jays powder blues, in my opinion, are like the cleanest powder blues in the league. Do you love playing in those as much as I love watching, watching you guys play in them? Powder blues are probably, they look great, but it's probably my least favorite, uh, Whoa. least favorite Jersey. Why? Like comfortability? Yeah, I don't, I, well, I don't, I, it just doesn't fit the way that the Royal Blue does. And it's probably because I just never wear it. And so it doesn't get washed, but, 
you know, it doesn't have that snug fit like I like. <laughs> well, the speaking of, that's what, um, one, my brother has always worn the tight pants as well. So people are always saying, wow, look at those tight pants. They look like they're painted on. And I've started seeing more about that from you. So one, you don't need to talk much about your pants, but this charity that you and, and Taylor are starting with, with the shirt um, and tight pants and all that stuff. Talk a little bit about the, the charity you guys are doing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Challenger Baseball. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of started out, um, the t-shirt kind of started out as a joke with a friend of mine. Uh, and we, we were able to, to kind of run with it and, and partner with Jay's Care and it's Challenger Baseball. And it's, it's a, a foundation that helps kids that are uh, either physically or mentally disabled, allow them to, uh, to experience baseball and, and learn the game of baseball and be able to play and, you know, just be a normal kid. And I think that that's, you know, it's huge for them to be able to feel like, you know, they're, they're a part of something. It's great. Where can you get the shirt? Uh, it's on 500 level. All right. All right. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you were able to tie in your tight pants. That, uh, that, that really pulls it all together. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so a, it's a pretty, no, go ahead. Uh, it's just a, it's a, pretty funny shirt <laughs> <laughs> it's great i saw it the other day i was like i'm absolutely bringing that up and it's a good it's a great cause so uh really cool of you guys to do that so what you're now in toronto playing in canada you live in canada i know you just came back from fly fishing how how do you like where you live how do you like living in canada and specifically where you are yeah it's uh I, we got a nice spot um you know, we got, like you said, I was fly fishing. I got some uh, river really close to me, so it's pretty nice. Um, it's a little bit different. You know, you think of Canada and you're thinking, you know, the great white north and everything is outdoors yeah. and white. And, uh, but, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, there is, Toronto is a big city. It's, it's similar, I would say, to New York. Maybe not quite as big, but, um, but you know, it is, uh, it is nice to finally be here uh, in front of our home fans. I feel like in New York, you don't get many um, skunks chasing you. And I've heard a story about that. So l let's hear that story. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one night, me and my roommate, Stephen Matz, were out. Uh, you know, we do campfires every other, probably every other night. And I'm looking out in the distance and I see this this shape and I, I'm thinking maybe the, is that a cat what is that and you know sure enough it gets maybe 15 yards from us and I'm like oh man that is a skunk we better get out of here and so we ended up sprinting all the way to the house uh and you know I think it was a kind of attracted by the campfire that we had made it wanted to get warm but uh we haven't seen it uh anymore so I'm pretty happy about that <laughs> so, so it wasn't chasing you just coming after the fire that you were at yeah, I, I think it was just trying to get warm. All right, I know you just finished fly fishing. What's the best? What's the best fish you've caught up there? You know, it's not really a great time of year right now. I think maybe in the next month or so it'll be a lot better. But I've caught a few smaller bass. Uh, I caught a, a trout and a perch. So right. um, there are fish in there, but they're not quite uh, <laughs> not quite that big. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to ask, I, I know you and, and your wife are close with the Grankies. Um, how did that relationship come about? Um, because I know 
last time I saw you and her was at the World Series in 2019, I believe it was, um, and you, you came to support him, and, and I know you're also close with Garrett. How, how did those, how did you get close with them? Did you play with them at any point? I played with Zach in Arizona, and, um, you know, we our kids are kind of right around the same age, and so it just kind of made sense that, um that we would hang out together. And the more that we hung out together, the the closer we became, you know, my, my wife and his wife are arguably best friends and, you know, me and him have developed a really great relationship where, you know, we stay in touch with each other, not only yeah. uh, during the season, but in the off season, we get together too. Cool. And then, but you, you never would have played with Garrett at some point, right? No, the, so the story with Garrett is uh, me and my wife took a trip to Italy and we were in Florence and we were out to dinner one night and um, it was a really low lit room and Taylor looks over and is like, is that guy a football player? <laughs> and I, I can't. I can't stand that she that I'm telling everybody that Gary Cole looks like a football player. But, uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, that's, that's Garrett Cole. And so we ended up going over there and, and talking to him for a while and it t- come to find out they were in Florence the same time we were, we were staying at, you know, the same hotel in Florence. And also we were heading to Rome. So they were staying at the same hotel as us there too. So what? Uh, it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of worked out where, um, you know, we, we kind of hung out for the, the next week or so. <laughs> that's so random. All right. I always I, I went to uh, I, I went to Tokyo, Japan one time in my entire life and I get there and I land and there's like no sign of like it's you can't um, you can't even read anything like it's totally different. Nobody can speak to me. It was the weirdest thing of all time. And I get there. I get to my hotel. I'm walking into the room and I hear Ben and I'm like, what? And it was a guy named Dean Green who I played with in the Tigers organization for years. And he was over there playing for the Tokyo Giants. And I'm like, what? We come all the way across the world and that's how we, that's how we see each other? Man, that small yeah. world. <laughs> Very. Um, so you guys are, as we sit, four and a half games out of a wild card spot. And in my opinion, equally as talented, if not more talented than anybody else in that in that wild card spot, what's the belief in the locker room? I actually, I, I, I know it was a little bit of a struggle there for a little while. So when I went to look at the standings, I was like, it, I feel like it's going to be more like six, seven games. I feel, you guys are right there, and obviously, um, the push is on. And can you, is is it tense in the locker room? What's that feeling like going after this wild card spot? Yeah, we definitely know that these are meaningful games that we're playing right now. So I. I think the, not necessarily pressure, but we do feel that uh, these games do matter. And um, I think that that's just helping to push us to be better every day. And, you know, winning every at bat, winning every, every pitch, uh, I think is our main focus. And um, our guys are really grinding right now. You know, it's, it's tough because last year being a 60 game season, you come, we have some guys on the team that have never played a full 162. Yeah. So they're just learning they're just learning how to, to grind through a 162 game season. So uh, I think our, our team's doing a great job. I think they're doing um, a, a really good job of handling it. And yeah, like you said, the 60 game season going to 162 is huge. And I feel like more so than anybody, like 
your team is the Blue Jays are so young. Like it's such a young core, and you got guys like Vladdy Jr. who is having an MVP type of year. I don't know if he's going to win it, but you know it's him and Otani. It seems like back and forth. Playing with a guy like him, you got to play with him briefly last year. What what's the difference between him this year? It looks like he just came back this year like different. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. He just came back and was like the best hitter on the planet. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to watch, honestly. The ball makes a, a difference now when it comes off his bat. I mean, you you when guys get it, guys get it. But when he gets it, it I mean, it's borderline out of the stadium. And it's just – it's really, really fun to watch. I mean, you know, credit to him and his offseason workout, uh, you know, dropping the weight. I think maybe that was probably the biggest thing that allowed him to, yeah. you know, to, to, to move better. And so, that you know, all the credit goes to him for doing that. And um, – you know, he's not only hitting really well, but he's playing a pretty dominant first base as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's really impressive to watch. I feel like the, I, I don't know, it was clearly a weight loss and it clearly like a different mindset he brought into the season. And I feel like the biggest knock on him to this point had been his defense and watching him this year. I'm glad you said that. It, it feels like it's different. It feels like he's just moving different and playing good defense. Yeah, no doubt. He's, you know, moving really well over at first base. He's making the plays. Uh, and also, you know, he with his glove, I think his glove work has gotten really, really, really good around the, ba- the bag. Um, you know, a, a little bit at first, he was struggling with it, but he works hard. He's out there every day working on it. Um, you know, it, it's definitely paid off. Yeah. And his MVP counterpart, if you will, the guy he's contending against, which – I assume you know a lot about because you have a big league homer. You're a Shohei Otani of sorts, in my opinion. Um, what is it like competing against? I know you guys have played the the Angels a few times this year. Have you gotten to pitch against him? Um, let's see. I don't. I don't think I've pitched against him. Um, I may have pitched against him earlier in the year in Dunedin, but that was that feels like it was ages ago. Yeah, and he wasn't uh, really like on the on the the scene he is at this point. What, what's it like like watching? I mean, you obviously watch him and see what he's doing. Like, talk about that because I, I feel like I, I've talked to people about it. I, I'm like obsessed with what he's doing, and big leaguers are like, "This is I, I can't even comprehend this." Like, are you as impressed? And like, how how's it been watching him? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely impressive. He goes out and, you know, DHs or, you know, he's he's hitting every day. He's got 42 homers. I'm not sure what his average is, but it's not low. Um, and then and then he goes out and he's on the mound throwing 99. It's like, what is this? <laughs> and he's throwing, he's throwing 94 mile an hour splitters. And it's like, this isn't fair. It's like, what? A, he's, <laughs> it really isn't. So, uh, you know, he's, he's really fun to watch. He's must see TV. Yeah, it's truly incredible. Um, not to bring up a, a time that, that you don't love from this year, but you started the year on the IL. What What's the story behind that? I, I Tell me it's not true. It is true. I, so I, in spring training, it, it, I, I think we may have had a week left in spring, and I, I, I want to believe I was on my last start. I was already built up, and – um, I had an off day. I was at home with the kids and I had my youngest in my arms and we were walking downstairs and, 
you know, not thinking about it. I made that trip a hundred times, but this time I had socks on and uh, sure <laughs> enough socks on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. So, you know, I started going down and my first thought was like, I, I have my son in my right arm. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to roll over on him and, and just crush him on the stairs. It's like uh, the dad of me was just was overprotective. And I went to my left side and landed straight on my elbow. Oh, and, no. uh, you know, thankfully, thankfully there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't any damage. It was just a, a, a pretty bad bone bruise. So I just had to, you know, work back a couple of weeks from, uh, getting that kind of sorted out. So you protected, you protected the kid, right? That, that's, that was the I reason. Did, yeah. And I think everybody in the world can appreciate that and understand that this probably doesn't happen. Had you not been holding the kid, it's just, you landed the way you did to protect. Right. Yeah. I had him in my, my right arm. So there was no way I was rolling to that side. Dad of the year. Heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then, you know, you, your season finally gets underway and, and you've been having an awesome year, man. Obviously right now, MLB August team of the month, um, racked up some accolades and, and you've gotten yourself into the, the Cy Young discussion. Um, right there in the thick of it. There's a couple guys that you're right neck and neck with. Have you, be honest, have you thought about winning the Cy Young and how that's a possibility? Um, you know, I've definitely had some thoughts about it, but I think, you know, my main focus all this whole year is just been, being going, going out and putting up zeros for my team. And I feel like, you know, if I'm able to accomplish that, um, you know, everything else will kind of fall into place. I feel like if I stay on my routine, I stay stick with the process and, and that being, you know, going out, putting up quality innings, going as deep as I can, that everything else will kind of just fall, fall right into place. There's, there's not a lot. This is the oldest game and in, in the, there's not a lot that anybody can do um, to, to do something that has never been done in the history of the game before. And you are now the, the all-time MLB strikeout leader after a thousand innings. Robbie, that is insane. How cool is that? It is pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I had, honestly had no clue. I, I knew I, was a, I had a lot of strikeouts, but I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and, and I wasn't even really sure that I was close to a thousand innings, but then I come out of the game and everybody's like, do you know what you did today? And I'm like, uh, pitch really well. <laughs> and, uh, and then they started telling me, I was like, man, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's a really, really cool accomplishment. Yeah, man. Congratulations on that. I saw the same thing and I was like, what? In MLB history, are we? That's incredible. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So I have I have a few questions that I ask everybody that comes on some like career moment type of questions. And the first one that I want to ask you is, what was your like welcome to the big leagues moment? Uh my welcome to the big leagues moment. I guess it was probably that first flight that you get on and it's, you know, the, the with, with the tigers, the team has their own plane and you get on and it's just, 
straight to the back. Everything is all first class. The seats go all the way back. The legs kick out. You know, you got guys playing cards in the middle. Uh, that kind of was like, okay, we're here. <laughs> it's incredible how many people that answer this question, that first big league flight, it had to be that. That's the moment I knew I was here. Not stepping out on the mound, it's walking onto that flight. And in your experience, walking onto that flight, passing Miggy, probably betting too much money that I can comprehend on, on cards, and then just walking to the back and, and eating whatever you want on it. Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of uh, looking for an empty row, an empty seat somewhere where, you know, it was kind of, you know, like walking in the bus and, and you're like looking to see, okay, who's going to let me sit next to him. And, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. It was fun. All right. Um, what is the best play that you have made on the field in your career? Uh, I would say that, um, I had a play in Philly last year where, uh, bat, ball off the bat, heading behind me. Uh, I reached behind my back with my glove and ended up catching it. Uh, <laughs> that's probably up there. That's probably up there as one of the, the better plays that I've ever made. Well, you see those attempted all the time. It just never, ever, ever works out. Never happens. And just it just so happened this time it happened. Uh, and all right, I want you for this to put yourself in the shoes of the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And if there was one thing that you could change or implement for the betterment of the game of baseball, one rule or one thing that you would change or implement to better the game of baseball, what would it be? Uh, for me, it's probably uh, the DH in both leagues. I think that's something that everybody can agree on. Um, that shouldn't be too hard. Uh, to get going. Nobody's coming to the game to watch a career 120 pitcher, 120 <laughs> hitter. Uh, that being the pitcher, you know, go up to the plate and and strike out. Nobody's watching that. You know, you don't want to see me up at the bat. You want to see the JD Martinez's of the world up at bat. <laughs> do you do you enjoy hitting? Uh, it's definitely fun, but I can't say that you know I'm 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 not good at it. So it's not <laughs> you know. <laughs> You, you you take three pitches and you head back to the dugout. It's like, man, that was kind of embarrassing. All right. Uh, before I let you go, I need to ask the story of this fish that you have that just won't die. What is, what is the story behind this thing? Uh, yeah, so my, my oldest son is almost six. And when he was 10 months old, we went to the fair and um won this goldfish and you know this goldfish i mean he's arguably you know five six years old already and uh you know every once in a while you have to clean their tank out so i'm cleaning his tank and he's in this little bowl and i go to scoop him out of the bowl to put him back into his tank and he goes down the disposal and i absolutely panic and I'm, 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 I can see him flopping around in there. No. And this is my son's favorite. This is my son's favorite fish. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I'm like, we got to do something. And, you know, Taylor ended up sticking her hand down in there and saving him. 
and and put them back in his tank. And from now on, I I make sure I clean his tank in a in a sink that doesn't have a disposable. He's the most resilient, tough fish of all time. He's a grinder. <laughs> He's a grinder. <laughs> Robbie, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Keep killing it this year, man. Congratulations on everything. I'm super pumped for you. It's been awesome to watch you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, man. Come back anytime. Appreciate it. All right, and I wanted to thank Robbie Ray again for joining me. What an incredible season he is having and what an incredible guy he is. So thanks again, Robbie, for joining me. But now it is time to get into my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani News presented by Mattress Firm. So talk to an expert and unjunk your sleep today like I have. But let's get into it now with my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani news. I'm going to tell you why he is this year's 2021 AL MVP. He had another miraculous week in Major League Baseball. And I went to Angel Stadium and came away with a bunch of stuff. So we're going to do a little show and tell for you. But let's get into it. And I'm going to explain why he is this year's MVP. I've been telling you all year, this guy's going to be the MVP. You know who agrees with me now? Everybody. If you go to Fox Bet, Shohei Otani is minus 5,000. 5,000 to win the AL MVP. The next closest player is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at plus 2,000. When I tweeted this, he was plus 1,500. He's now plus 2,000. This is happening, my friends. It's over. Book it. Shohei Otani is your AL MVP this year. I've been telling you, this is the most incredible season we have ever seen. On the National League side, the consensus MVP is Fernando Tatis Jr. He's, he's about minus 280. So to compare that, the people that most people think he's going to win MVP on the National League side. He's minus 280. Shohei Otani is minus 5,000 to win the American League MVP. And I could not be more excited because that means that this is happening. And nothing showcases why better than look at this past week in Major League Baseball for him. He pitched on the mound against the Texas Rangers. He threw 117 pitches. He got the win on the mound. He struck out eight. Just another incredible start. 117 pitches, a career high for Shohei Otani. Honestly, threw great. You know what else he did that surprised me, even though nothing should really surprise me anymore about what he's doing? He gave up a hit on an 0-2 count for the first time all year. The first time all season, he gave up a hit on an 0-2 count. You know how crazy that is? You know how many 0-2 counts I got into every single game? That's probably why I'm sitting here right now, but it happens all the time. He hasn't given up a hit one time all year until this past game on an 0-2 count. So an inc- another great start. He's now 9-1 and one on the year. One win away from double-digit wins. He's probably got about two or three starts left this year, I would say. And man, do I hope he can get to 10-1 and one on the year because that would just be incredible and be up there in the highest win percentages in a single season of all time for a pitcher. So a great outing on the mound. And then Tuesday, he stole home. I was there. He stole home and he stole my heart. That's what he did on Tuesday. I was there, I got to watch it. Catcher throws down to second. Shohei takes off for home, slides in safe. Not only did he steal home and show off the wheels, he also had a perfect slide into home. Reaches around Gary Sanchez, slides into home, 
He's the first person to steal home and get a win on the mound in the same since since 2001, I believe. Since 2001, the first player to steal home and earn a win as a pitcher in the same season since Darren Dreifert in 2001. I can't imagine that list is very long. Also, Shohei Otani did it in the same week, might I add. Got a win on the mound and stole home. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Not only did he do that, not only was he running fast, not only did he throw great, he hit two bombs. Home run number 42 on Monday, and then home run number 43. An absolute bomb. Leading all of Major League Baseball as a pitcher in home runs. Truly incredible. Two more this week. 42 and 43 home runs. He is at 43 home runs. You know, and it got me to thinking, he's very close to the all-time Angels home run single season record. Troy Gloss holds this record at 47 home runs. So he's four away from tying the Angels single season record. He's two away from tying Mike Trout's best season, which was 45. That's really eye-opening to me. I, I think of Mike Trout. I think of Mike Trout as one of the best players of all time, in my opinion. Consensus, I would say, top 10 player of all time. In my opinion, he's higher than that. I think he's on the Mount Rushmore of, of baseball players of all time. Mike Trout's best season, home run-wise, 45 homers. Shohei Otani is at 43. Think about that. One of the best players in history played in the same organization, and he could potentially and hopefully pass him for single-season home runs. If he, in my opinion, he's going to get there. I think he gets to 47. I don't know if he gets to 50. I think he ends somewhere in that 47 to 50 range. But, guys, he could potentially break the all-time single-season record for the Angels' home runs. That's just incredible. Um, just incredible. Look, he's, he's some of these stats that, that keep getting thrown out every single week are just mind-blowing to me. I sit there, I'm watching him play, I look on Twitter, he's breaking another record every single day he does something. He's even tougher to pitch against at home. Most consecutive home starts without a loss. He's at 14. 14 home starts without a loss. That's ridiculous. Otani has not lost at home since April 17, 2018. 2018, he hasn't lost at home. You know, so a lot of us get caught up in, in what he's doing offensively because it's special. It is. I get it. But, but we can't overlook what he's doing on the pitching side. One of the highest win percentages of all time. He hasn't lost at home since 2018. You don't want to face Shohei Otani at home. You just don't want to do it. You're going to lose. You don't want to face his splitter. He's got the, the lowest batting average against on his splitter of anybody, uh, of any pitch in all of baseball this year. I mean, the stats are mind-blowing. Guys, the stats are absolutely mind-blowing what he is doing this year. So 43 home runs now for Shohei Otani this year. The consensus, hands-down MVP. I've been trying to tell you all year, but it is happening. It's happening. Shohei Otani is the MVP. But I want to talk about Tuesday of this past week. I got to go to Angel Stadium. I, I'm going to be part of a, a feature presentation. Uh, my now friend Masa came over. He's from, he's from Japan. And he came over to shoot something for me and Shohei Otani. And I get there on Tuesday, and it immediately, I realize, 
this is a pretty cool thing that's happening. And it was, the angels had set it up. It was through, uh, he works for NHK in Japan. And he went through the angels to get my contact information. I get there. I talk to him for about an hour. We're interviewed for about an hour. I walk out on the field. And then while I'm out on the field, uh, some of the angel staff come up to me with all of the Shohei Otani gear that ha they have ever given away since he became part of the team years ago. I was in heaven. I was like a kid on Christmas. I was like a kid in a candy shop. Whatever you want to say, that was me. And I brought it all in studio today. And I want to do a little show and tell of all of the Shohei Otani gear that I got on Tuesday. That is now all mine. And I love it all. So let's do it. First off, the Shohei Otani pillow, a staple, one of my favorites. I actually already had one of these. It's sitting on my couch at home. So got another one of these bad boys. Next up, some bobbleheads. Look at this bobblehead. How cool is this bobblehead? This is not from this year. Him pitching and hitting. One of my favorite bobbleheads I have ever seen. Next up, one, I believe this one was from 2018 or 19, him hitting. Um, I don't think this looks like him, but it's a cool bobblehead and I love it. Next up, Shohei Otani shirt. An angel shirt. I mean, what, this is incredible. They, they legitimately, they really hooked it up here. Another one, this shirt might look familiar to you. I don't know if, I don't, it looks a little familiar. Got another one of these bad boys. But here is my favorite part. Guys. <laughs> oh, I got my own Shohei Otani blanket. Are you kidding me? This is going to go on my bed. It's going to tuck me in at night. Shohei Otani. I have my own blanket now. An absolutely incredible day at Angel Stadium. And that does it for this week in Shohei Otani news. All right, and that leads right into this week's Twitter poll. So if you aren't following, every week we come out with a Twitter poll at Pod on Twitter. And you guys can be part of the show, an interactive part where you get to vote on the poll every week. And this week's poll was... You can only pick one Shohei Otani skill. Which one are you taking? Hitting, pitching, or speed? Hitting, pitching, or his speed? And the results of the poll, far and away the winner, his hitting at 70.4% of the vote. If you could only pick one of Shohei Otani's skill, luckily he doesn't have to pick one. He has every single one. Which one are you picking? Hitting with 70.4%, pitching with 25.3%, and speed with 4.4% of the vote. That's what I voted for. I voted for hitting because I was a hitter. And everybody knows hitters are cooler. That's why I'm cooler than my brother, because hitters are cooler. Um, but, but look, every, you know, there's nothing as cool as just hitting absolute bombs. He's got 43 of them this year. Luckily for him, he does all of these really, really well. Over 40 homers, uh, a 9-1 record on the mound, over 20 stolen bases, things that have never been done before. But we asked you this week, if you could only pick one of his skills, which would it be? And with 70.4% of the vote, you all chose hitting. And I understand. I get it. I love that vote. So make sure you guys 
every week are voting and participating in the poll at Flippin' Bats Pod on Twitter, so you can be a part of the poll every single week. And thank you for voting this week. All right, and now let's get into some power rankings. It is the first episode of the month. As always, we do the power rankings, and it is the last month of the Major League Baseball season, which is crazy to think about, but let's get into it. I'm bringing my producer, Conrad, back out here to walk me through these rankings. So let's do this. All right, Ben. First up, at number 10, the Atlanta Braves. I love the Braves. Love what they did at the trade deadline. Totally revamped their team. Wouldn't have felt they'd, you know, would have looked like this heading into the season, but they do. They're playing great baseball. Number 10. Quick question. Would Acuna make them a top five team in baseball right now? Yes. Got it. Number nine, Toronto Blue Jays. I love the Blue Jays. We talked about them earlier. Uh, I just think they're, they're really exciting. They're built for the future, but they are built for right now as well. They are really good. I don't know if they can make the playoffs, but if they do, watch out. This one kind of surprised me. Number eight, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, you know, they, they've been the leaders of the AL East for most of the year, I, I think, still. Um, the Rays have been leading it for a while now, but for most of the first half, it was the Red Sox. They're a great baseball team. Um, and, and they went through a little skid post-deadline, but they're back to playing good baseball. Uh, they're winning important games. Uh, I, I like the Red Sox. I, I think they squeeze in, and having the addition of Chris Sale back really helps them, I think, if they make it to the playoffs. Yeah, I agree on that part. All right, number seven, the New York Yankees. Yeah, look, the Yankees were the expected favorites in the AL East, and they just weren't playing good baseball. But post-trade deadline, they're really good. Uh, and, and look, I don't even know if it was those acquisitions that itself that made them a good team. I think it was more so just we did something. We were able to do something. We brought new guys in. We brought some clubhouse guys in. Then they went out and started winning a bunch of ball games. They, had, they went on the longest win streak of the year in baseball. And, and I think they're back to being a good baseball team. They're a force to be reckoned with. I don't think they're the best team in the American League, but I think they're a great baseball team now. Yep. Number five or six, I'm sorry, number six, the Chicago White Sox. I, I still think the Chicago White Sox are the most complete team in the American League. And, and look, they haven't really had anything to play for. Like this division, the AL Central has been wrapped up for a long time. Uh, they have a huge lead. But when you look at this roster, the starting rotation, one through five, is incredible. Their lineup is great, and they're getting they're they're now healthy. They're really good. The back end of their bullpen, Kimbrell and Hendricks, this is a tough team to beat. Uh, they don't have the playoff experience that some other teams have, so I'll be interested to see how they play once they get there, but they're really, really good. All right, number five, those Houston Astros. I mean, they've just been offensively all year. They've been the best offensive team in baseball in terms of hits. Don't I know it. Runs scored. Yeah, as a, as a Mariners fan, they, they've been giving it to them for sure um but they're just really they're really good there's no way around it i mean i know they're not everybody's favorite team in the world but there's no way around them being one of the best teams in all of baseball and they are certainly a top five team in all of baseball uh certainly one of the uh, top three offense in all of baseball you could argue they're the best offensive baseball um and they have i just mentioned with the white Sox that playoff experience and how they don't have it this team does have it uh, so they're going to get into the playoffs. They're going to win the division, and they're going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Can Jordan Alvarez ever win an MVP? He is good. He's really, really good. I, I don't know if he can, he can win a batting title. I'll tell you that. All right, number four, the Milwaukee Brewers. I love 
the Brewers. I love them. They're my pick to win the National League. They're my pick to go to the World Series. Um, I love this team. I, I, you know, a theme these rankings once you get towards the top has been complete team. And look at this. Look at this Brewers team. The top of the rotation: Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Peralta. Like these guys are are Cy Young potential guys. Uh, and then you look at the lineup since they've added Willie Adamas early in the year. They've been awesome. You know, they really flipped a switch and have become one of the best teams in baseball. And then I mentioned back into the bullpen, nobody's better than Williams and, and uh, Hayter at the back end of that bullpen. Nobody. I, I love this team. I love the way they play. I don't think they're getting the love they deserve because they're in Milwaukee. Uh, I love them to make it to the World Series. They're my prediction. A hot take to make it to the World Series. I love that. Number three, the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean the best team in the American League. And it just slides under the radar seemingly every year. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them not getting the love they deserve, the same love that the Yankees and the Red Sox and all these other teams get. Why not? Why not? They consistently do it, and it's arguably more impressive than anybody else. They're not spending the money everybody else is. They just do it internally. They're better than everybody else internally, and they put out a better product than everybody else spending a quarter of the money everybody else does. It's incredible. I love this team. I really love the acquisition of Nelson Cruz uh, before the trade deadline. I think that's going to be huge for them. They never really do that, go out and get that huge piece to put in the middle of the lineup. I love that pickup. I think Mel Nelson Cruz is going to be a great hitter until he's 60 years old, and he's a great hitter this year. Another guy people don't talk about, Wander Franco. Watch out, everyone. Oh, my God. His on-base streak is is pushing the 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 history. We're almost to the, the highest on the – he's at 30-some games. He's getting close to the record for a guy that's 21 or younger. It's, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Look, you, you know, this series that we talked about, talked about it off the top of the show, the Dodgers and the Giants, just putting together a great year, this series they put together. And, and in full disclosure, this, this two, one and two – it's no secret who one's going to be. One and two came down to Sunday. It legitimately, Conrad, came down to Sunday. I was watching Sunday Night Baseball, which was a great game, and it came down to, look, whoever wins this game will win the season series, will be in first place in the division, and will be in first place in the power rankings. So these two teams are doing something special out in the NL West. The Dodgers, on paper, have the best roster in all of baseball. There's no arguing that. What Max Scherzer has done since they got him at the trade deadline is special. Reminds me of my brother in 2017 when he went, went to the Astros and just put up the best numbers that I've ever seen. Max Scherzer's doing that. He's going to go into the playoffs and be a dominant pitcher. This team is a force to be reckoned with, and that's why I have them number two. Yeah, you want to give me a quick drum roll real quick? Number one uh, has to be the San Francisco Giants. It is. It is. I've just loved watching these two, these two teams battle it out all year. The Dodgers and the Giants have been doing something special out there, and and we didn't see it coming from the Giants, which I think makes it even more special. Like they're 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 on paper not in not in the same room as the Dodgers, but on the field they've played 19 times, and the Giants have won 10 of them. And and what they do that just I I love, and I I watched that whole series this this past weekend. What they do is, is they do the little things right, and they bring in reliever after reliever that just gets out. Everybody has like a two ERA coming out of the bullpen. It's incredible. They got Rodgers coming out of the bullpen, scraping his knuckles, throwing off the ground, 
and he's got a one-something ERA getting everybody out. So fun to watch. They put up runs when they need to. They get clutch hits. They get great starting pitching. They do it all. It's so fun to watch these guys. They have been the best team in all of baseball for the majority of the year, and the Dodgers just can't quite pass them. And it's funny to me. It's funny that the Dodgers are spending all this money. They're a fantastic baseball team, but they just can't pass the mighty Giants this year. And that's why they are number one on the power rankings heading in to the last final month of the Major League Baseball season. So to recap, that leaves the Braves at 10, the Blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees, White Sox, Astros, Brewers, Rays, Dodgers, and number one, the Giants. I'm so excited for the playoffs. I am so excited for the playoffs. There's teams that I didn't think would be this good that are great. What are the Giants going to do in the playoffs? Can the Brewers get to the World Series like I'm predicting? I don't know. Nobody knows, but it'll be fun to watch. But before I head out this week, of course, the extra innings segment, and I have not one, but two extra innings for you, like the Giants-Dodgers series. They got into two extra innings. I got two extra innings things for you. First and foremost would be something that happened in the Rays game the other day, an intentional balk. I want to talk about this, and the only reason I I tweeted out about it when it happened, I thought it was, uh, you know, a fairly straightforward thing that we knew it happened, and I was listening to the game, and the announcers were like, what is going on? What is happening? Why would he do that? Well, let me tell you why he did it. And for those that are unaware, Colin McHugh was pitching in extra innings. So the extra innings rule, there's a runner that starts on second base. The Rays against the Red Sox scored two runs in the top of the inning. So they're up two. So let me break it down for you and let me make some sense of this. You know, here, here is my tweet. This was on purpose. The runner starts on second base, so it doesn't count as an unearned run if he scores. So McHugh doesn't care. Also, they were up two runs. That runner does not matter. Get him off of second base, therefore less worry about the signs. So first off, let me, when I say that run does not matter, it's an 11-9 ball game at that point. They're up two runs. If that run on second base scores, it does not matter. Not one bit does it matter if he scores. It makes it an 11-10 ball game. Now you might be saying, well, he could score more easily from from third base. One, the run doesn't matter. Two, if, if, the, if the Red Sox were going to do something that could potentially tie the game, that run is going to score no matter what. So here's why you get him off of second base. Sign stealing is a very prevalent thing in baseball. When, we're, when you're out on second base, you are told to try and pick up the catcher's signs. The runner is is causing more problems out on second base than he causes on third base. Get him off. Get him over to third base. You can't see the catcher's signs from third base. You can't relay the signs from third base. Just get him over there. Another thing that's important to note here is that Colin McHugh likes to pitch out of the windup. So the second that runner moves from second to third, he can go back out of the windup. So Really, it's a smart thing to do. It's happened quite a few times. Kenley Jansen has done this with the Dodgers for you know a few times, but this one just became more. You know, there were a lot of eyes on this game. I tweeted about it, explaining it. The sole reason is because it doesn't matter. Now, let me state: if that runner on second base mattered for Colin McHugh's earned run average, you best believe he wouldn't be moving him over to third base. But because it doesn't count as an earned run, because he starts the inning out there because of this extra inning rule, just move him over to third. It doesn't matter. That's why he did it. And that's why you do it, in a nutshell. Get him off second base, 
You can pitch from the windup, and there's no fear of stealing signs. If he relays a sign to, a, to the batter, and the batter picks it up and hits a homer, it's worst-case scenario. So move him over, and that's what happened on, uh, I believe it was Sunday, or, or Monday, in the Rays game. The last extra inning, if you will, Marcus Stroman. Let me talk about Marcus Stroman. Not enough people talk about him and, and how, how good he is for the game of baseball, how much of an athlete he is, how awesome of a human being he is. This guy's a stud. There aren't pitchers making plays that Marcus Stroman is out there making. Making Jer Derek Jeter-like plays off of the mound. But one I really liked the other day comes from a, a, routine, uh, a routine double play ball uh, that ended up getting botched at second base. Juan Soto slides into second, safe. There's nobody covering third base. Nobody. Marcus Stroman, the pitcher, goes sprinting over to third base, catches it on the run, slides in and tags him. You got this doesn't happen. Pitchers don't pitchers don't make plays like this. Marcus Stroman does because he's a freaking stud of an athlete. But Marcus Stroman needs to be talked about. Not only is he is he an athlete and making plays out in the field and and doing incredible things, but he's also having a great year on the mound. And and for those of you that don't follow him, he's been through he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot of injuries. He's gone through a lot mentally to get to where he is. He's changed the game mentally. He's slowed down the game mentally. He's able to separate his mind from his body, which he talks about. This guy's a stud. And if you aren't watching Marcus Stroman start every fifth day, you're doing yourself a disservice because he's going to throw great and he's going to make plays that you haven't seen done before. And he certainly did that this past week. He threw great and he made an exceptional play that you just don't see pitchers ever making. So shout out to Marcus Stroman for being a stud. And that's going to do it for this week in Flippin' Bats. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you're downloading and subscribing everywhere you listen and listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it may be. Make sure you are following on all social medias. The Twitter poll happens on Twitter, at Flippin' Bats Pod, Twitter, Instagram. The episodes come out via YouTube uh, for, for video, and we also come out with our own the, the segments there. So follow on all social media. And that does it for this week in Flippin' Bats, presented by Mattress Firm. And I will see you next time on Flippin' Bats. It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out of the field. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate.